to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living with this disease. Before we dive into this episode, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit, charitable organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just purchase a copy of Doing Diabetes Differently or click the donate link on my website. Number two, stay engaged on all things social media, sign up for the e-newsletter, and subscribe to my newly updated YouTube channel where this episode will soon be live. Enough rambling. Let's get started. Today's guest, Elizabeth Besley, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in her 40s. She retired at age 55, good on you for that, and has been traveling ever since, including 17 cruises and 19 land trips covering all seven continents. I've been stalking Elizabeth for a while when I saw her do, I want to say, the polar plunge. So I want to start with, thank you for joining me, and where are you calling in from? Bellingham, Washington. Oh, nice. What's the temperature like there right now? Well, it's in the 60s, but we're going to get a heat wave while it's in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, it was 90 degrees yesterday in Oklahoma, which is crazy for May, but that's beside the point. Okay, so I start most episodes with your diagnosis story, and since you were diagnosed in your 40s, I want to know what led to that diagnosis, and do you feel like you received a proper one? It was unusual because what was happening is I was found out my sugars were pouring out of me and we had no idea why. And then they tested me and determined I was a diabetic, but they diagnosed me as a type two. And I went quite a few years as a type two being treated as a type two. And then finally they did a test that determined I was actually a type one because my A1C stayed quite high at around 12.5. Oh, that's a lot. That's not, I mean, no offense to you, obviously. Yeah. That's, you're not feeling good when it's that high. How long did that diagnosis take? Was it a matter of days or? No, it was about three years because I was working, I was busy, and I had a disabled child. And I just had no idea of anything about diabetes. It didn't run in our family or anything. And so I just dealt with it, being tired, and exhausted. And then finally, he took it a little bit more serious with a new um, general practitioner and he did the test. Wow. And did they immediately put you on insulin or did they start with metformin? What, what did they start with? It was the metformin and then went to the long acting and fast acting. And I wasn't too compliant with that because then I became in denial. And I did the best I could in between finger testing and supposed to be taking the short acting before meals and all the timing. I just was not compliant. And once I started getting the equipment, starting out with the CGM, then that started opening up reality and then getting on the pump. And then when the pump started getting, uh, you know, word actually the intelligence, the yeah. CIQ, I was amazed. Then it became almost like an artificial pancreas. So I'm in a much better place now today. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's talk about, and you mentioned CGM. So do you mind disclosing what devices you use? It's a Dexcom 6. Okay. And then because it talks so well with the tandem, yeah. I chose that combination. I was offered any combination. And I chose that and I haven't looked back, but I do keep educated on what's developing and what's out there. 
and including the G7 that's come out and how it's still developing to be compatible with the other equipment. Yeah. But I'm in no rush because this is working and I'll wait to see. Okay. And Lee asked, okay, now I want to get back into the equipment here in a second, but are you technically, and I don't know the correct terms for this, but are you a type one or are you LADA, which is late onset? I've been told I am a type one by the physicians. My pancreas had stopped working okay. and we did not go into why it stopped working. We just focused on trying to get me healthy and stop the damage. Yeah. Well, and I will say too, and I've talked about this in other podcast episodes, and like you said, you had no family history and neither do I. So just out of curiosity, and I don't know if your medical team would have asked you this, but were you on, let's just say antibiotics or going through a stressful period of time? Did you have a surgery or a flu? I personally, when I looked back, was on an antibiotic called a sulfur. Oh. And at the same time, my mom was on it and she got a form of diabetes, but not as bad as I did. And so I look back at that. That's the time of my life when I was on that, that this all began to happen. Wow. I guess you could edit this out if you'd like. Yeah. The thing that was very telling story was all of a sudden for one month I was in tremendous itching down in the female area and it was not a yeast infection so severe that was almost bleeding on the external and it took them 30 days to determine what was going on it was devastating and so sometimes I'll share with women if yeah. they have any concern of extreme thirst that I said one key indication now that I look back right after they diagnosed me was because I went to the doctor because I was extremely itching down there. It was not a yeast infection when we knew it. That, that was a dictator to me. That, that's said the sugar was pouring out of you as a protection. Wow. And that is, I that's the first time I've heard it like that, even though being a woman who's lived with type one mm -hmm. for 40 years, I've been through it all in the lady parts. And, you know, that's another question. So I want to get back into education here in a second, but Upon your diagnosis in your 40s, and I don't know where you were in your cycles and things like that, but did they talk to you about women with type 1 go into menopause on average seven years earlier? No, not at all. And I never went through menopause at all. Okay. At all. No, and because I was on IUD, I ne yeah. never had any idea what was going on because they even took out the IUD. And I'm going to say about shorting the eight or so, and they end up putting one right back into me because I continued bleeding pretty yeah. bad and stuff. So, but eventually I um, went to take it out. And I was definitely honest, but I had no idea. <laughs> you know, I've said this on a couple of episodes with women, you know, like I said, I'm 47 and a half almost, and I'm in perimenopausal, I'm perimenopausal menopause and shit has hit the fan and no one has ever given me any warning. And it's, I have learned more about menopause through the diabetes community and having conversations like this, because I don't know if our medical team just doesn't feel like it needs to be addressed because I don't know, but I'm happy that these conversations are finally being had because our bodies go through a lot more than the average person. And with that, so when you were diagnosed, and I know that it took three years and I appreciate your honesty mm -hmm. when it comes to denial. Do you feel like you received proper education upon diagnosis? And you're obviously doing research if you're looking at devices and new technologies. Is your medical team stepping up and are they helping out? They always have, especially the education on nutrition. But again, because of my mental denial of this can't be happening, I loved 
eating and everything else, it did help to have the nutrition because then I didn't realize simple things like how much sugar is in a banana, how much sugar is in a watermelon. I was shocked by that just being typical. Yeah. And, but I'm just now learning, I think one of the more shocking statements was there were football players that were using insulin to bulk up because I couldn't stand the fact that I was gaining all the weight that I was gaining. And so what helps me mentally now is to know for everything that I eat that is causing me to put more insulin in to try to get down to the level I should be, it's not worth eating the stuff that causes me to put more insulin in because I'm just adding to the problem. So that's what helps me look at food quite differently. I totally understand that. And I did not, like I choose a low carb diet, but that wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was because of diabetes. I just was like, I just don't feel good if I eat this, blah, blah. And it was like, now that I'm piecing it all together, that's absolutely the case. And not that I'm preaching to anybody that that's what you should do, but yeah, you mm-hmm. definitely. And thankfully am I, I don't have to take much insulin, which is crazy. Okay. So, and with that fresh fruits and vegetables, and I love the fact that you bring up mm-hmm. bananas and watermelon, both of which are very healthy, high carbs. Do you have, and I ask all my guests this, do you have access to fresh fruits and vegetables within a two mile radius? Yes, I do. But I won't tuck them out. Do the vegetables. I've actually do strictly green stuff that I cold press, freeze in mason jars, and then take out and have a quarter of an avocado that's also been frozen in quarters and blended in like a magic thing yeah. each morning and it's wonderful i've introduced people to no sugar type stuff and yeah. granted it's bland but they're willing to try it and i've adjusted i it's part mentally i enjoy it yeah well and i'll tell you about a product after this interview because i've just started something that hopefully is helping with all the nutrients and vitamins and things like that but the reason why i brought you on like i said this earlier in the introduction is you've been traveling I love traveling. I miss traveling. I don't travel as much as I'd like. So you retired from at age 55. What was your professional career? Uh, originally, I was in the military and as a crew chief working on uh, fighters and cargo planes. And then I was hired by the Boeing company building airplanes because of my background in the military active duty and reserve. And I was fortunate enough to be able to retire at 55 because I had worked for them for 30 years and I was 55 years old. So I took advantage of it. And when I did retire, realizing I had the type 1 diabetes, again, I didn't even know it was a rare condition, being only 1 to 6% of the diabetics are yeah. type 1. I just realized I better cram this all in because of the type of medical conditions you can get into later in yeah. life with the feet, the eyes. So I went then home. And all this traveling and just made it a challenge and tried not to think that I'm a type one. I took all the precautions in traveling and just swept and home. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm a firm believer in living life to the fullest. And I've done a pretty damn good job of that, I'd like to say. <laughs> <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. You never know, right? Yeah. Um, and so, okay, let's talk about if you can list off. I, obviously, you've been to all seven continents, but tell me where all you've been internationally yeah it, it would be like within all of europe Italy, and let me look real quick because i actually take the time of where i've been so it's like most recently i crammed in just before going to antarctica i went ahead and went to london 
and Scotland, Norway, Iceland. When I got back from there, of course, I went to Antarctica, and then I headed over to Egypt and Jordan, came home, went to Hawaii, and then came home and took out 38-day cruise to South America. Yep, all prior to that, I had been already to Amsterdam, Budapest, Alaska, all over the Bahamas when I was living in Florida. And then I did the Rome and I did a couple of transatlantic where they repositioned. Yeah. Dominican Republic tried a resort where you go onto the resorts and then um, a Viking cruise down the river cruises, Costa Rica, did Lisbon to Venice, did try the Mississippi cruise. When I was in the military, I had gone to the Philippines for different, what they call war games. Mm-hmm. So I went back in January of 2022 to visit a cousin that's over there and then just continued to and even this summer I'm going to go visit a couple in North Dakota that I met on one of the cruises to visit their island so it's just kind of like I feel after the 17 cruises or 19 land trips okay if I don't ever travel again and the best one everybody asked me which has been the best it's been Antarctica because that was the most chanciest one being the type one and content. Well, okay, let's talk about that because I have interviewed a lot of people that are have done some crazy travel and mm-hmm. Egypt keeps popping up. But so going to Antarctica, what precautions did you have to take? A lot. Making sure, you know, every time I go someplace, I double the equipment, separate the equipment, and then double the insulin. And in this case, I made sure the doctor on the ship, because it was a very small ship, only 199 passengers, which meant that we could go anywhere on the continent. Mm-hmm. And we were off the ship twice a day in the Zodiacs to the land. And so I made sure the doctor knew that I was a type 1 diabetic. And then I also made sure I always had the jellies, yeah, the glucose jellies. And I made sure that when I got off the ship, I was very high on my sugars at 200. Yeah. So when I got off... I didn't have to dig for my jellies because your your hands are covered during a zodiac going across the water quite fast. And then once I got on the land, I would always check my sugars to know how far I could walk. And if I couldn't walk very far, because I knew walking was like exercising, it was yeah. like dumping insulin into my body. I would only go what I felt was safe. It wasn't worth taking chances, but I still got all the experiences. That's so awesome. I think that was, you know, just pacing myself to enjoy it, but not take chances. Did you wear your pump? Like, I mean, you're in the tons of gear. So was your pump just close to your body to keep the, like it warm enough or? I actually always wear it in my bra. Okay. I do not wear it on my waist because I got fat on my stomach and it'll push it off. So when I wear my pump during the day, it's always in my bra. And so it was easy to reach to get to. But because I have it on my phone, I can look at my phone rather than yanking it out. So, and because you've got so much apart on it and stuff to keep yourself warm, it kept it warm. Did you have to buy all of that to go on that trip or did they provide it? Not at all. When it comes to some of these excursions, not excursions, but these explorer ships like that, they provide the parker and the boots. You're just wearing the other gear, like something to cover your legs to keep them dry. Yeah. So it's almost like a Helly Hansen type waterproof pant. And so with the park that you're just putting it on and you're comfortable on the ship, where you don't really have to dress that warm at all. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the polar plunge. Is that what it's called? 
Yeah, it's literally you wear what you want to jump in the water. They actually tie you around the waist with a cable and a waist strap. Out of the 109 people that were on our ship on this particular trip instead of 199, it was about 109. Only 45 people actually took the polar plunge, which kind of surprised me. Like you've come this far, once in a lifetime opportunity. Of course, some weren't healthy enough to plunge. Sure. But it was extraordinary. I purposely even put myself front of the line. I, when they said, you know, because you don't know when it's going to happen, you know, they just say it's a perfect time. Let's go do it. Threw on that bathing suit, got down to that deck and was ready to go. They say, we're going to provide you a drink of courage. They didn't tell you that drink of courage comes after the plunge, not before. (laughs) And the air temperature was 34 degrees. The water temperature was 31 degrees. For those in Canada work with Celsius, that's 0.1 degrees Celsius. And you just jump in and go down and pop back up and grab the ladder and come out. And you feel really cool, but then once you're up and about, you've got like a robe on if you choose to, and you actually stay outside and watch the others jump, and you're quite comfortable. You're not shaking or anything. So you have to unhook your pump for this. Actually, yes. It's like taking a shower, so you keep your Dexcom on, but you take the pump off, so it's just like taking a shower or going swimming or going into the spa. But I was surprised because I... Didn't know whether the Dexcom 6 would actually survive that shock of the cold because I actually ended up staying in a little bit longer than expected because unfortunately the the ship pumps turned on because it was called a repositioning because they do not anchor. And so the waves started kicking out and pushed me out. And so I could not get to the ladder. And so I ended up staying in the water like I was being waterboarded because I was swimming really hard to get to the ladder and I was not getting to the ladder. God. <laughs> so that added to the excitement, but I'm a swimmer and I've done scuba diving when I was in the military and stuff. So it worked out well, but it survived that too. <laughs> but he just added to the excitement. <laughs> but um, so I was excited. I thought, you know, doing this with the type one, the equipment survived too. And it just added to, I can do this. Because I know for a lot of people traveling as a type one, it can be scary. You yeah. just don't know what's going to happen. You're in a foreign country. And if you run out of equipment, what do you do? If you, you know, a bottle of insulin breaks, what do you do? You know, and so you just kind of double up on everything and just give it your best. I will say that the diabetes community has been very valuable on numerous occasions when I've traveled and had it ran out of insulin or whatever, which sounds crazy since I've had this for so long, but it's, I knew and being in another country and in that scenario is going to be hard to come by that kind of stuff, especially on your ship. My God. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'd be curious with the medical team, the doctor that's on their ship, do they keep extra insulin? I mean, do they have well, they things do. like that? Well, they do. And then the doctor even mentioned that she will make sure she has extra glucose in her bag okay. when she goes ashore, which was nice and reassuring. Because if I go down and I can't get to my little gummies, at least she's got something. Another awakening, I had been struggling to live. I live alone in the type of emergency pen that I had been using. We usually should be taking two people, but I had found out that I should have been getting a type of emergency pen that only takes one person. Yeah. Well, all these little discoveries along with through Facebook communities, I found out about being able to bring an extra bag. 
Yeah. And different things like that. Where I'm like, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I always share with anybody that has a medical condition, did you know you can bring an extra bag? Yeah. And I bring my documentation Mm -hmm. with me about my equipment and my medical condition because I'm going to the Philippines to prove I could have an extra bag. I need to bring extra documentation, they said, to justify it. And then I didn't realize for a long time that I could contact TSA and actually be walked through the TSA because I was bringing juice sometimes. Yeah. And extra water. And by being walked through, they allow you to bring those things that normally people couldn't afford. Yeah. I just did the TSA. I applied for in my last round of travel. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's well worth the, what you have to go through to get it, in my opinion. And when you yeah. unhooked your pump to jump in, Mm-hmm. Who did who held your pump? Did you have something? I, think I, I left it in my room. Oh wow! I just left it in the room. I made sure my sugars were high enough, no yeah. different than going on land, and then did it all, and then went back to the room to get the swimsuit, and I was good to go. Did it spike or lower your blood sugar at all? By no, no change. And no. I asked that because, like, if that's an adrenaline rush jumping in, and then there's a shock to the system, and all those things usually scream. High blood sugar. So, oh, well, that good on you. So that was a pleasant experience. <laughs> well, you can hope for. Okay, now flip the switch. So you come from a polar situation. Let's talk about some of the hotter regions that you've been in, because that's a whole other way of packing and planning. Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. So how did you, did you take any extra precautions or how did, what did you do? Well, the same type of thing, just making sure I have double the equipment the glucose tablets still staying high and just making sure if I'm traveling alone, I make sure people that are around me, even though I just met them, let them know I'm a type one. Yeah. And not only to say why I'm not eating or drinking as much as they are, but I do partake in it. Yeah. And just letting them know as a precaution, especially on excursions. If I ask for help, this is the why I'm asking. This is where I keep my gummies. Please hand them to me. Yeah. So I have no hesitation. And even this last trip around South America, right in Buenos Aires, before we hopped on the ship, it was a very telling experience where we were on an excursion and one of the gentleman's wife started to collapse and she was a type two and he was holding her up. And then he proceeded to tell me she's a type two. Well, she was going low on her sugar and everybody wanted to hand her candy and water. And I'm like, hold on, you guys. I got some gummies. I'll yeah. give her this glucose. And I proceeded to explain water is actually really good if she was high. Yeah. She takes chocolates. I said, chocolates isn't really a good way to bring it up. And yeah. it was a nice educational opportunity that people really appreciated and saw how helpful it was that somebody could really help her with the knowledge and help them understand. Because if she did it again, what they yeah, should do is help. Do. Oh, that's yeah. great. So that was rewarding. But I think the biggest thing is really helping. I have no hesitation in helping people understand. Yeah, because the layoffs, and I appreciate. I tell them I appreciate you asking because it is not coming. Yeah, that is very well said. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of. I'm not. I don't believe in doom and gloom. Try to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. But through all of your travel experiences, have you had any scenarios with your type one diabetes? Yeah, quite often my worst scenarios are when I'm transversing through getting to airports or unexpected transversing from getting point A to point B, where I did not expect to be walking so far. Oh, yeah. And I dropped down because it's, you know, like exercising, dumping insulin into you. 
where I'll have to quickly stop and take the gummies or I didn't anticipate it. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm really low. Yeah. Most of the time I can plan for it, but on something like that, you're in such a rush to get from point A to point B, you do not realize you've just dropped so far so quickly. It can happen fast. So, yep. Yeah. Have you met any other type ones on your journey? Uh, no, only type twos. And then I, I began to realize I kind of feel sorry for the type twos because like this lady and her husband, I'm fortunate enough where every five minutes or less, I know what my sugars are. Yeah. Unfortunately with her, she didn't because she's a con pretty good control type two. So she doesn't qualify to wear a CGM. Yeah. And so I actually had an advantage to her where I know and she'd only know by poking yourself all the time. And so, like, you're going to want to poke yourself on the middle of an excursion. I mean, that's the deal. <laughs> like it's a way too much to pack. There's too much going on. And if like, if you're in a polar plunge, your fingers are going to be cold. You're not going to want to pull a glove off to poke. Well, and I know that they just passed in the, oh gosh, in the past month, I want to say CGM coverage for people with type two diabetes through Medicare. And it's actually been there for quite a while, but what they've done is they've decided not to wait until you're having to poke yourself multiple times, rather it's just more common amount of times, which is exciting because I'm being a senior citizen around a lot of senior citizens. They shouldn't have to wait that long, let alone the hands are not steady and, and their mobility. And there's so many things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such, and that's one of my big advocacy efforts at this time is, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many Dexcons and Libres I've slapped on my parents' friends just to see, because they can't manage their type two diabetes better. And they're like, well, my sugar's 312. And I was like, well, did, what? You just ate pancakes. What in the hell do you think it's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, but they're not thinking about that because my, my blood sugar this morning was only 114. Yeah. So I am exactly. a firm believer in knowledge is power when it comes to diabetes, get grief. And same here. I encourage them if they're type two, ask your doctor for the freebie for about a month and really see what's going on because you will be shocked. Well, and it's one of the things I'm going to go back to you in the beginning of this. You talked about diabetes denial. And again, I appreciate your honesty. Mm -hmm. What flipped the switch for you? Probably the damage when I was getting that, the shock to my feet, retinopathy, I would be laying on the couch with my feet, watching TV and all of a sudden it jerk really bad. Yeah. And as soon as I started bringing my sugar down, it was less and less and less. And then the doctor told me when your sugars are raised, like charts of glass going through your veins, you're damaging a lot of your body. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a shocker. And then seeing the results when my sugars went down, it was shocking me less on my feet. And so the correlation was right there. And then also with my eyes, I ended up getting the laser done on the back of my eyes. And now that I'm controlling my sugars, they're actually getting better. And I've not had one treatment on the back of my eyes, even though they get checked every three months. So I've had no laser treatments, no shots in eyes or nothing because I'm controlling it. So yeah. seeing the results, if I do it right, I'm not paying the price medically. Oh, and that's very well said. And yeah, but diabetes you know, has a real thing. Yeah. And it's sad to see when people say, well, you're losing weight because I am eating better by choice. And I go, but it's not going to change my diabetes because you're like, well, maybe you won't have to be on a pump. And I'm like, well, unfortunately, that's not going to change it. So I Doesn't work so for much us. better. <laughs> you know, I just kind of smile with it. And also one thing, being a veteran, also when I retired, it made me eligible because I had no medical condition from my service. 
that I actually became eligible financially enough, went down to qualify for veteran services under the medical. Yeah. Because I have no condition and so many veterans don't realize they qualify. So what it made a difference is when we talk about insulin, even though the price is going down under my retirement medical, because I don't qualify for Medicare yet, I was still paying $320 for three months insulin as a copay. But with my VA, I only paid $25 for that same insulin. Same thing with all the equipment. I would be paying quite a bit using my medical for my employer. But with the VA, it's like barely anything for the exact same equipment. So I don't know how many veterans are out there that have moved into a retirement status that really need to look at it. They're just not checking into it because they think I'm not injured from being a vet. You don't yeah. need to be injured. You qualify and you should look into it because it's a lifelong benefit. Because even if you make very little and you get under that umbrella, yeah. Yeah. if you make more, you will never lose that benefit for your lifetime. You know, my, my father is a disabled veteran. He served in the mm-hmm. Navy and had, has had a number of problems. But thankfully, the VA has stepped in because he has type 2 diabetes. He doesn't manage it. And that's a totally different podcast, but I'm so thankful and I get angry with him at times. I'm like, dad, everything, you could have a Dexcom, you could have a Libre, you know, I mean, just so many things, but I'm thankful. And maybe that's something and a message that we're going to be putting out through this podcast in particular is how do we educate the veteran community um, and how do we get the VA more involved with reaching out to these groups? Yeah. And and even by, because when I called in and even when I called in and fearful that I could lose my benefits, once I start receiving my social security, they're like, the only way you're going to lose it is if you write us a letter and ask to be taken off from it. And I'm just like, I'm so afraid of losing it, you know, but yeah, that would be worthy of a conversation because even on the phone, they encourage me to share with any veteran I walk across that has never been injured and has never received benefits to seek and get recorded as a veteran that would like to have benefits. Oh, that's so good. I might bring you on to a different platform mm-hmm. at some point because you've been there. You know what it's mm-hmm. like to go through all those things. And I think it's intimidating if you, I mean, if you know about it, period. Yep. So many things. Well, my last couple of questions I want to talk to you about, do you have any, we've talked a lot about what it looks like to travel, but do you have any tips or tricks for someone who's maybe a little nervous about taking those plunges? Just go and just take advantage of it. Don't think about it. Enjoy it. Don't hesitate. Overpack with your equipment, even though when you start to come home, you've got way more than you expected to come home with. Be glad because the last thing you want to do is regret not bringing more than what you needed. And just enjoy it because as I look back at it now, any kind of condition that starts to show up, I will not regret cramming in all that travel at a young age because at any time something could happen, either related to my diabetics or not. And so any travel I do after this is like icing on the cake. I've done what I wanted to do and I had no plans that if I do more, it's icing on the cake. And if I can't do any more, I'm happy with what I did. Well, and did, with most of your travels, did you do them alone? 50% of them were alone. The other 50% were group travels by and with somebody I knew or got to know because I hopped down with a group with somebody I already knew. Well, and I love that too, because I'm a, and you were saying you live alone. I live alone. 
And people mm -hmm. can't believe that I've traveled by myself. And I went to Europe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just like, what? How do you not? I mean, I just, you know, pack your bags, do what you think. So it's nice to meet somebody else that has, has done that. And I don't believe in fear-based living, even though we all go through it at times with mm -hmm. this disease and the complications. But good on you for pulling the trigger and knowing that our days are limited and you yeah. want to enjoy them while you can. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being a guest. And again, I'm going to do a bunch of follow-up stuff with you and maybe have you write a post about your experience because there's so much about this that, again, why I stalked you for months. <laughs> thank you, Facebook. Because we need more stories like this, you know, instead Works of all the doom and gloom, even though, and thank you for being honest about the denial and some lifestyle choices that you've made to live your best life. So I look forward to hearing and let, oh, very last question. You said you're going to North Dakota. Any other travel plans? No, that and whatever comes up, I will not hesitate to say, absolutely, I'll go. I will not turn down travel opportunity. Absolutely not. I love meeting new people and just taking the change. Love it. As I wrap up, I want to remind you that I'm here for my diabetes and the medical community. So feel free to contact me at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Yes, I